What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. Do you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals? Then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to a professional dancer, choreographer and creative, Rose Alice. Rose is a ballet dancer and she tells us a bit about her journey which is very interesting as she's trained in lots of different countries from a very young age. Uh, We also talk about Uh, basically what she does to stay fit and healthy and we talk about food and she opens up and be very open and honest with us that she had a bit of an eating disorder and what that stemmed from and how she was treated growing up uh, in a dance environment especially a ballet environment we all kind of I think agree that there's a stigma on ballet dancers with food and that they don't eat anything and she kind of opens up and explains a bit of that for us Um, it was very lovely to speak to Rose she sounds like she has some very exciting projects in the works that she couldn't tell us about, but they will be coming soon. Um, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please go and follow Rose on at Rose Alice Official on Instagram. Uh, here is the wonderful Rose Alice. Boom, we're in. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so we were just discussing, I've already started day drinking in this lockdown. Uh, um, it's the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's weird. So I just drove to the bank. Um, to cash a check because don't know how long People even they're going to be open. <laughs> well, we got given it from a relative, so right, okay. quite lucky, kind of to go. Oh, this is going to be a shit few months for you, self-employed people. Here's some help, and we we're like, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so went and put it in, and literally, it's weird because there's still quite a lot of traffic on the road, and I was yeah. like, it just feels like a bank holiday. Definitely, yeah, or like Christmas Day where there's still just like scarcity of people, places yeah. and things, yeah. And it's strange because I look out the window. I've been out today twice. I went for a run this morning and I shot like a little video outside my front door earlier and it's boiling. Yeah, no, as it's soon such as the a beautiful sun has day. come out, we all have to stay indoors. <laughs> I know, it's typical, isn't it? Um, How are you doing? How is life, uh, how is self-isolation life treating you so far? Yeah, not too bad. I'm only on day three, if I'm perfectly honest. So I'm yeah. actually okay. Um, And also I feel like this is the only time I've had a break in over a decade that's like enforced on me so I'm kind of like weirdly chill obviously like not chill in the sense that you know like you said us self-employed people you know we have lost um, all of our income and everything but I guess there's kind of comfort in a way of knowing that everyone's in the same boat (laughs) yeah that's exactly the same here yeah yeah so no I'm okay I am yeah, just doing as much as I can um, with the time that we have. And yeah, just day to time at this point, isn't it? Yes. For me, and I guess you're the same. Like you said, you haven't had a break in a long time. Like I haven't really been home for the past six weeks. I've been rehearsing. And then even before that, like I never really get to spend much time at home. We're always, you know, hustling and working and stuff. And I was a bit like, oh, I get to spend time in my, my apartment. This is fantastic. And like, yeah, it's quite foreign, I, isn't it? I don't, have to, to, be I don't have to travel or commute. Or <laughs> yeah. like, this is lovely. I get to spend time with my partner. We get to do like normal people stuff, I guess, like watch a TV <laughs> series normal. together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, define normal. Good point. So no, I'm quite enjoying it, but I'm sure I'll get bored within the next week or so. But at the same time, I spoke to my mum last night and she was like, imagine this was like 20 years ago. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, what would we be doing? I, I feel like there, there would be some kind of 
I don't know. I think it would be weirdly calmer without the internet if we were. <laughs> and then also on the other side of that, way more panic would be, you know, everywhere as well. Because people uh, would yeah, I guess, keep involved with things. I guess we're being scared by stuff, by the media as well. I think they, you know, they we, we, we as humans, we tend to pick out the bad in things. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're good at doing that. We can see... 10 things and if five of them are bad they're the ones we'll remember not the five good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what I mean but um no I'm quite enjoying it like I, I'm taking as many online classes as I can so they don't get to normally I'm trying to learn videos from routines I'm trying to make up videos I'm trying to challenge myself creatively in a way that I don't normally get to which is quite nice yeah having that time to think is sometimes a good thing creatively yeah 100% I've been coloring a lot like we bought, felt, we bought felts in a coloring book and we've got three coloring books and every day we just try and do like a coloring in and it's so yeah. good I just like zone out and I'm really I guess I'm really present when I'm doing it you know what I mean like yeah, the whole like, world kind of stops and I'm just in the zone is great it's a different form of meditation but that is actually a form of meditation you know being able to switch off your brain and just focus on one task it calms everything down it calms your um, nervous system quite substantially that's oh. all the yoga yeah, it makes or sense. Why I like it for then. Me, like a ballet class, like because I have to just focus on the one thing. I like mm-hmm. my mind calms down, even though I'm doing physical activity. <laughs> like my mind does get calm. Yeah, that's normally me at the gym. That would be my version. Normally, I would go to a meditation. It'd be like I go, I put my music on, and no one disrupt me. Yeah, you just like tune yeah. out. It's really good. Yeah, that would be my normal. So, um, I don't really know much about you, which is quite, <laughs> which is quite exciting to me because I tend to talk to my friends. Um, and I wanted to venture out of speaking to just the the commercial dancers that I know. Mm-hmm. And I got recommended to you by a friend, Jacob. And then I started looking through your profile and you just your Instagram page alone was very interesting because it was very creative and artsy, but I didn't get to see too much into, inside of you. So then I did a cheeky Google and kind of looked up, <laughs> OK, let's see what's going on. And actually, a very interesting person. So I'd love to Aww. talk to you and pick your brain. <laughs> Yeah, my brain is a weird one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell us a bit about yourself. I saw that you were born in Australia. Yeah, so I was born in Australia, um, but I left Australia quite young um, and moved to Europe. And I trained in France and Switzerland. And then I was in New York for a few years. And then I worked in Asia and I lived in Hong Kong for a couple of years. And I actually moved to London uh, five years ago from Hong Kong. Um, so I'm a bit of a bit of a gypsy, bit of a child of the world, um, and yeah, like I guess you know I'm a ballet dancer by trade, but mm-hmm. in probably the last kind of ten years, I've kind of morphed into something that is a little bit more. Um, can, I don't like using the word contemporary because I don't necessarily classify myself as a contemporary dancer in certain yeah, well. um, But at the same time, um, yeah, creatively, I, I have never quite fit in a box. If, if yeah. that makes sense, um, which has been a blessing and a curse for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But then when I, I actually in 2015, I started my own company. So I started International Arts Collective, which is basically a collective of dancers and musicians. And we do shows all over the world with um, various clients that I've built up over the years. And then also I've done two productions from scratch by myself in every sense. Um, yeah. In London. Uh, yeah, so I guess like the choreography side of things kind of, I've always had a, uh, I don't even know what the word is. I guess I love dancing and, and I've always, it is like oxygen to me. I am like mm-hmm. the definition of an obsessive compulsive, you know, person who's completely yeah. addicted to their art form. Um, but I always felt that just dance alone wasn't quite enough creatively for me to feel really fulfilled. So I've always choreographed and created and and collaborated with people um and I guess as I've gotten older that's just kind of like broadened and yeah and now do it all over the world so yeah it's uh, that's dope. a very so when, unconventional life <laughs> yeah it is yeah. I want to I, I hope you don't mind if I dissect it so we can get no, a bit of an insight right. into you and your journey and I guess if someone can relate to you that'd be fantastic because I'm intrigued just the (laughs) fact that you've lived in all these different places already that's quite impressive (laughs) so did you start dancing when you were in Australia? Yeah so I started actually because it was cheap babysitting for my (laughs) mum. Nice I (laughs) feel like I teach a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah yeah Yeah. I I was quite um, old I guess uh, for a ballet dancer I started when I was almost nine. Um, That's crazy that's old. 
Yeah. And within yeah. a couple of years, I had left uh, normal school and I was full time. And then from there, obviously, uh, opportunities arose and, and I started traveling. But it, for me, it's interesting. I've never... I've never felt grounded in Australia. I think I'm one of the only people I know who, like, I fundamentally, I don't like the place. And that is mm -hmm. controversial, whatever people want to read it as. But even my mom has always said to me, you know, you were born here, but you're not from here. And I've, I don't feel grounded there. And I never did. And so I think the moment I had a craft that I, you know, couldn't function without, that could open doors for me to live in various different places and and just be exposed to various different people even at 12 yeah. <laughs> 13, which is when that all happened I yeah it was like okay this is this is where I go now this is life <laughs> yeah why do you think that you don't like Australia honestly I think you know I'm not religious by any means and I'm uh -huh. not really that spiritual I guess but you know there's some places that you go that you don't feel grounded and I think even yeah. as a kid I always had this bizarre kind of urge to not be there and mm -hmm. that wasn't because of any person place or thing it was just something in me was like this isn't where you're supposed to be um yeah. so subconsciously even as a child I really fought to get out of there um and once I was out I was like oh right once I was in Europe and I got a bit of the I guess the travel bug um and started traveling the world I was like yeah this is where I feel most productive and happiest and most fulfilled as a human being you know not just not just a um a dancer so yeah. do you maybe see yourself going back there when your dance career or creative career is finished no no that's no. interesting I, I remember I'm from Wales um and there wasn't much dance in Wales when I was growing up and I remember I couldn't wait to get away from it and then the older I've kind of got the more I've kind of felt gravitated to be like oh I wouldn't mind being home now like oh so you know I feel the polar yeah. opposite I had the conversation with my parents probably seven or eight years ago now that uh I would never never go back there for any reason um you know and that was yeah, quite a big thing. I think I knew in my head from a very young age, like once I was gone, I was like, yeah, I'll go back to visit. But, you know, it's never going to be somewhere that I see myself having a yeah. life. Um, but then obviously my parents had to like, get their head around it a little bit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, yeah, I've never, as I said, I've never really fit in in an institution or in a place that is, I guess, stereotypically right for the type of dancer I am. Uh -huh. Um which I fought for a really long time to fit in because especially when you're younger as a ballet dancer, you know, you're supposed to be like a certain thing and tick certain boxes and I did and then I didn't. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like trying to fit in as a ballet dancer, so you started when you were like nine, but then at 12 it became full time. Yeah. It was... So was that at like a ballet school, I guess? Yeah, so I kind of had, again, just quite an unconventional training. I, I was with a private coach and then a private, um, I guess, full-time school, but a very small one. Um, uh -huh. And then same when I was in France, I had like a private coach kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, and then I did the Prix de Lausanne, which is like the biggest ballet competition in the world. Um, okay. And I got offered a scholarship to finish my training in Switzerland from there. So then I went there for that. Um but I never graduated from anywhere. I just started working, you know, yeah. and that's, yeah, that's, yeah. A really, that's a really um, key thing for me, I think, is that it, if, if you do what we do, it's not necessarily driven by a piece of paper. Like I don't have any qualifications as a dancer, but I've yeah. genuinely been doing the one craft for 21 years. Yeah. So, you know, it, I think I'm not saying that people shouldn't get a degree by any means, but yeah, yeah, of course. If, if that route isn't for you, it's not the end of the world. You know, there are yeah. there are 471 different things between musical theatre, ballet company and, you know, that, that I think colleges and stuff give a very um, structured and very like lane. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You get given like, OK, so these are your options fit in a category. But I would say that. The 70% of the artists and true artists that I've worked with or that I know all either overlap into many or fall into the middle middle ground yeah. of those things. So, um, yeah, so I guess especially when I started the company, I was like, I want to give a place for, I want to create new and original work for 
dancers who maybe don't fit the normal mold and uh-huh. but have more to give than most people would even realize they just haven't been given the platform to do that yeah for so, sure so you're kind yeah. of opening avenues for the I guess the, the ones which the don't misfits. fit in a box yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like the greatest showman <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally all the weirdos <laughs> gravitate towards me <laughs> yeah. I love my weirdos <laughs> <laughs> no that's dope so what made you first of all what made you go from Australia to France was it just uh, training yeah just training and did you go alone or with your family no alone how old 12 13, 13. oh my goodness what was that like Oh, it feels like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> I can't even like, but again, I've just, I've always been very, very headstrong and it, yeah, I feel most grounded when I'm in an airport and I have done since I was that age. So <laughs> I bet fun. it must kill you when you see like, uh, I guess if you see teenagers or young adults moaning about like, I don't know, or something's difficult and shit, like, and it's probably stuff where you're like, I've been doing this since I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legitimately. I've like, been also- looking after myself since then. <laughs> Yeah, but also I think, you know, especially with what's happening at the moment, I have a, I've been really struggling with the, how is the word? I guess the, the privilege and the lack of compassion and the lack of understanding amongst each other as creatives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we're in a situation like we are right now with, you know, the 2020 lockdown, (laughs) you know, it really, it really amplifies, you know, how gifted some people are how privileged some people are how you know how much lack of humility there is amongst mm. each other you know why has it why has it taken for this to happen for artists to support each other do you know what I mean like there's so yeah. many things that I'm kind of like cool so we should have been doing this since the beginning of time um but you know if this is the catalyst we need cool but also yeah so I, I yeah <laughs> it's a it's yeah a to navigate as well especially when you know like you said I've been doing it and kind of navigating my own path since I was very very young I guess I have a I'm incredibly empathetic towards people but I also have very little tolerance for small-minded or people with lack of perspective because I think that's really important and if you choose to have that you can have that 100% so yeah I am. Um, I think I said it on a podcast this week already, but it's blown my mind. Uh, I saw on Facebook, obviously, probably the worst place to look at this time. Um, and someone put, oh, what's the point of living if you can't do the things you love? And I was like, what? Like, you're like, oh. you, you've been you've been inside for two days. Like, two days. And you have a, and you have a home and you have somewhere to go. Like I you have Netflix and you have the internet you have, and you yeah. have all these resources. This like so incredibly privileged. And I think that people are being quite flippant in the way that they are posting things or going live with things or asking dancers to pay for classes online when they can get them for free. Like I, it's just, it's a very weird um, dynamic that's kind of, I'm sitting uh-huh. back and kind of watching, <laughs> trying to figure out how I, how I really feel about it because like you said I think people are just they're putting it out there but they're not having that 30 second thought hand thought beforehand being like how would this impact other people mm-hmm. um how do you feel about the online classes very 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 mixed emotions I think it's an incredible thing that we have um the internet and we have a platform like zoom and you know even social media where we can share our craft um but on the other side of it I find it really and I also like everyone else I also need to make an income so I understand people capitalizing on things but I can't quite get my head around or justify people charging people to take a class online when people are doing it for free Mm -hmm. when no one can afford anything (laughs) you know it's like it's like which is it's playing the devil's advocate you know what's worth giving it for nothing or charging people that have just lost everything you know so it that's why I'm kind of just like stepping away from it a little bit because I, yeah, I'm not sure morally <laughs> how I feel, like what I feel right about, you know, I th- but I think yeah. that's up to everyone, like, you know, each to their own and everyone's doing what they can. Like that's nothing negative I, towards anyone doing either. I just don't know where I sit with it. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that I feel like, especially in the entertainment world, we're more of a community than we've ever been. It feels like everyone's actually been more supportive of each other than I've seen in 10 years of doing this. Like, 
it, and I, I absolutely love it. I think when it comes to the online classes, I think it's fantastic if, say, for example, I was teaching a class and lots of other people who are in the exact same position with me, they couldn't afford it, so they're getting it for free. I, I also think that to capitalize on it and for you to still charge so you can still make an income, I think there's a right place and a right way of doing it. I think yeah. if you're, if your market is, say, uh, you teach normally people who just dance for fun. Isn't they're not yeah. trying to make it for a career, and this is their way of having their gym membership or their yoga retreat, or this yeah. is their this is their smoking, and they're also a lawyer. Like younger kids as well who have already paid tuition. Like I think that they should be able to continue their training online with their given teachers and whatever. I think that that is that's just a really smart way to move forward. You know. Yeah, but I think if like people like bankers or lawyers or people with a shed load of money in the bank can afford to pay for it then I'm like yeah I definitely think you should still be paying because, <laughs> yeah, I because essentially like you're in a position where you're still earning like a lot of my family work for the train lines and this they're key workers they're still earning money they shouldn't start getting shit for free because like their life isn't yeah as dramatically affected as a self-employed so I think it's about finding the right way of doing it and to the right your tar- whatever your target audience is yeah, completely agree. But also I think it is that thing of, you know, having keeping your artistic your artistic integrity, but also figuring out where your moral, moral compass sits in any given situation and not just jumping on board with things. Like, ha- like you said, have that little moment of just thinking about how this impacts more than just maybe your inner circle before acting yeah. on something. And that goes across the board, not just for online classes, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think, or it may be even though, like, if you're offering online classes, find a way that if you want, say, I, I said it, I think yesterday, I don't know, but if, um, say, for example, you were teaching an online class and you'd be like, I'm teaching the class for free. And if you want me to do a 10 minute Skype call with you and give you feedback, it's four pounds. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. then, then you have a, a more in depth version, finding a middle yeah. ground where it's, it's affordable enough to get, like, uh, a one-to-one 10 minutes with someone like yourself, you know, four pounds a bargain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on <Yeah>. the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like four yeah, pounds a bargain. Sure. But for you, you're like, I'll take that now. Cause just as an example, it's, I think exactly. that I definitely think there's a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, so you said with your, uh, your company you've created and, uh, you work with musicians and other stuff like that. I saw on a, on something, something to do with you on a website. I can't remember what website it was, like a little article you'd done. And it says that you love being a creative, but you always see yourself more as a collaborator. Because um, you like, what, what do you mean by that? So I, it was probably, I was actually in New York a few years ago and I have some friends who are with American Ballet Theatre and they had got me tickets to see Romeo and Juliet. Um, and I went and I sat in Lincoln Centre in my own box, <laughs> like yeah. loving life. And then I walk, when I walked out of the theatre and it was phenomenal, I was like, interesting. I don't feel inspired by what I've just seen. And I just watched people who I love dearly do something in my favourite theatre in the planet. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel the urge to create. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was kind of like a really shifting moment for me because I then went down to a little jazz bar downtown with a friend of mine. And we sat at this bar with a jam session and this 80 year old man sat on the piano and just improvised for hours. And I, I couldn't speak. I I was Mm. so like, I was so inspired to create and, and do something with him that I had this moment where I was like, I don't think that I'm inspired or fulfilled enough as an artist just by dancers anymore. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I kind of started opening um, the doors to building relationships with people who, you know, work with robots, people who, you know, yeah. mu- musicians in particular are very much my catalyst of, of creation. But, uh, you know, we I did a show a couple of years ago that we toured in China um, where I danced with 600 kinetic lights. So oh, there were 600 kinetic lights in the, in the ceiling and they basically like followed me around and like that process was one of the most difficult I've ever done as an artist but also one of the most fulfilling you know because it wasn't just about me and it wasn't just about steps there was so many other elements that had to be um, taken into account that the end product was so much more fulfilling because it was a a joint effort by multiple people with Mm -hmm. various different skills as opposed to like just one particular person trying to churn out some steps kind of thing yeah, um, for sure. but I think the word collaboration does get kind of thrown around a little bit too much um 
sometimes because people just think that if there's more than one person there, it's, you know, it's collaborative and yeah. it is in a sense, but to be a collaborator, I think you need to be the one who sources things outside what you normally know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be a safe and vulnerable place for them to come and then get creative and create something that is original that hasn't been done before. Yeah, because so, I guess if you're speaking to like um, maybe a beatboxer or a drummer who doesn't normally beatboxer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Who doesn't necessarily work with dancers? You know, they normally just do their thing. Or if you're a drummer, you get hired to work with a band you're not necessarily creating with a dancer you're creating with a musician and then normally the dancers add their layer on top of that for the mm-hmm. visual effect yeah. not so much part of the creative effect it's not very often that music is made around dance yeah see and actually my favorite thing to do uh, ever is to actually be in a studio with either one of my pianist friends or a drummer and just improvise and like mm-hmm. they improvise I improvise and then we find a kind of rhythm and then from there we can build something so both of my shows that I've done from scratch um we compose the music and I did the choreography like simultaneously mm-hmm. um so I mean I say I compose I didn't compose anything I can't hear <laughs> but like they they did the composition um as I choreographed and vice versa and you know there was so much freedom, but it was also very clear as to like what we kind of needed to do. And then obviously you fine tune things once you have people in the room to make it work. But uh, yeah, I think having a musician or anyone else not as background noise or as an accompaniment to the dancer to have like everyone's value being equal in a room or in a creative process is what I, I guess I pride myself on and I try and keep like implementing as much as possible. Yeah, that's dope. I always say when I teach students, like I like teaching to, to live music, like I'll find like a live version of Usher or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I'll be like, and they'll be like, right, we're going to catch this like rhythm section that the drummer does. And like, I'll be like, no, you really need to show it because I was like, no one's watching the drummer. No one's giving them any love. So we need to make sure that they appreciate what we're doing. So the drummer gets some love. But I guess what you're doing is bringing the drummer forward to your platform and, you know, to be, I guess, front of the stage to be watched as well. Well, even just that, you know, having musicians on stage with us, um, I say stage lightly, I don't really do my shows on stages. I generally get like a a venue and then like turn it into a performance space. Um, But the musicians are always on stage with us. You know, they're not separate. It's not pre-recorded. It's all live. And, you know, it's interesting. I was actually speaking last night with someone about my first show because they were asking about the music. And when we did our last rehearsal, we timed it at being... 56 or 57 minutes and when we did the actual show just from pure adrenaline it was 44 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like we literally cut like 10 minutes off the show just because everyone was going really really fast but it didn't feel like in the moment it just felt quite um quite natural and just like i guess you're working as one right it probably felt organic yeah completely um so yeah it's a it's a different way of working but for me personally it's what i think uh, makes me allows me to create the best possible product um, yeah. and make it the most enjoyable process for anyone that's involved. Um, yeah, which are, is you kind the, of aim. are you the only dancer that does the shows? No, I had like yeah. well, in my show last year I had fifteen. Okay. Um, and in my first one I think I had ten, but now for, you know I think the next project that I'm going to do I will just have uh, probably just my core seven, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, okay and are they all ballet contemporary in quotation dancers or yeah they're all I guess everyone's like ballet trained but they're all yeah. more into something a bit different but we're all a bit like we're all like leggy and you know <laughs> a little bit nuts I said yeah. misfits and oddballs that's what I <laughs> describe it you all have the same bases but then it shoots <laughs> yeah, off in different like directions a, like a branches everywhere that's yeah. dope how, how old were you when you decided you wanted to start your own company it was kind of an overnight thing because of a series of events that had happened that kind of, I guess, in a way, pissed me off about still just not fitting in, but not because I don't put in the work. Um, yeah, so I I guess maybe subconsciously I, w- I always thought that I would eventually create something from scratch, but the actual... <laughs> founding of it kind of happened after getting really annoyed one day and going home and being like just going to register a business name and then nice 
hold a workshop and I'd only just moved to London at this point. So I was like, I, I, I will hold a, a workshop and just put, put it out there for people to spend the day with me and see what I do. And if there's any traction, then, you know, I'll go from there. And yeah, that kind of. <laughs> That's sick. Did you never want to do like uh, classical ballet stuff? Obviously, if you've trained in it from such a young age. But I did you do did. that when I was younger, yeah. Um, and then realised I don't really want to wear a tutu anymore. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to be in Swan Lake? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm good with uh, not being in Swan Lake. <laughs> well, it's, well, as an, I mean, I've trained in ballet. I wouldn't, I would say if there's, you know, when people go, so have you trained in ballet? And I go, well, if there's an expiry date on it, it's definitely expired. But I did, <laughs> I did do it for three years yeah. every day, but it's definitely expired. Um, so I understand like basics, do you know what I mean? But in my head, I always assumed to be a ballet dancer, you would, your career path would take you into being either a teacher or you'd do classical ballet shows. Do you know what I mean? I never really saw another avenue for it so I guess yeah, creating I, your own company you've made your own genre of work but even just that like you said you know that is the normal trajectory of someone that is in that particular area of of the industry and I um, actually founded them a new creative agency um, with a friend of mine recently and we we were kind of trying to explain to you know some of the artists that we have involved that there are even if you are trained as a ballet dancer and you get taught that you need to do this amount of training for eight years and then you get a job in a ballet company and then you stay there till you retire and you know like that Mm. that's not all there are there is there is film work there's music videos there's other collaborations and you know some of the most fulfilling and incredibly inspiring jobs I've done have been on film with random people who I've met in passing who with no funding which has been an all-love project uh, but I think if people close their close their mind off to knowing that that exists or they're just never um, given the option to experience it they do end up quitting a bit earlier than they probably needed to and mm. becoming teachers or going back to university to study something else where all of those bits in between are actually really pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah. I always think um the ones which uh, make it in our industry as like a as a performer, I guess, but especially as a dancer, are normally just the ones that I guess persevered and got through the hardship and the hard times and stuck with it long enough to an opportunity to arise. Yeah, but also not just that. I think I'm a firm believer in like the opportunities aren't arising. Create them yourself. Uh, yeah. You know, if you have you have a brain, you have a fully capable body if you are consistent with your training and you want to work then create something and and try and sell it get people involved to collaborate with you like mm-hmm. I'm I'm yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of people who wait around for an audition and complain that there's no work coming when they're not doing anything actively to shift that not yeah, because it's sure. not because it's easy like if you don't want to do that that's cool but yeah, you need to have a certain um, resilience and grit yeah. to the way that you operate in order to have longevity in your career. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's my personal opinion on it. Everyone else has, everyone has their own own pathway, I guess. But for sure, I, think, yeah, I, um, I lived in I lived in LA for for three years. Um, I was there on a work visa. It was a very difficult time, very fulfilling, but very very hard. Um, being away from home, financially lonely, just all you know just the typical starving (laughs) artist story, all of those things. Um, And I used to have in my head that every day was a work day, whether I'm getting paid or not. Mm -hmm. So if I wasn't on a job, I'd be going, okay, what am I doing today to make sure that I'm progressing and putting myself in a position of work? Or if an opportunity arises, I am ready for the job. So, you know, I'd still take class. I'd go hiking. I'd go yoga. I'd go to the gym. I'd make sure that whenever an opportunity arised, I was ready for it because there for me it was a lot harder to make opportunity I guess mm. obviously you do the the networking thing and you go and yeah. meet people and stuff like that but it wasn't at the time for me my goal wasn't to create stuff it was to dance for artists and do stuff like yeah. that so I guess creating your own work depends on your goal and your objective exactly that's yeah 100% but also but, I think you know the having the mentality of just always being in shape and on form and I don't mean mm-hmm. in shape as in necessarily body just even mentally physically like 
knowing that you're at the top of your game for that given time so that mm-hmm. if your dream do- job does come along, you don't need a week to get ready for it. Yeah. That's really important as well. But again, that takes grit and resilience and that takes a t- certain type of um, character and perseverance to be able to like soldier through that when you have no money and you need to work three jobs to make ends meet. Like it, it's life, you know, it's what you yeah. do if you want the craft because it's have, not easy. Have you ever had a, in air quotations, normal job? Oh yeah, of course. I haven't yeah. and I am very proud that 11 years ago, I said to my now ex-boyfriend, I will never work a normal job again. And he said to me, never say never. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I make, I, I make a conscious decision that anything that I have to do extra for money now is going to be purely related to my art form. That being said, I worked um, in retail. I worked behind bars. I worked mm. in hospitality um, when I was younger to make sure I could pay rent and I could afford class. And mm. I don't think there's any shame in that at no. all quite quite the opposite my hat goes off to anyone who can work nine hours in a restaurant and then go and take class for three hours because it's a different yeah. kind of draining um but yeah I think yeah it's it's actually kind of important I think to to do yeah. that at least at some point in your life because you kind of have a new appreciation and understanding for having a paid creative job um mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so yeah. No, 100%. It's interesting. So uh, with the current situation, I've been like, okay, I've still got a mortgage to pay. I've still got car payments to pay. I've still mm-hmm. got bills going out and nothing coming in because all my shows have been cancelled until the n- near future. Who knows yeah. when? So Same. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's look for a job. I'd said I'd never do this again. And it's like been applying for like Tesco's and like be a delivery man for uh, medicine and stuff like that. And it's like, enter a CV. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder if my dance wouldn't count. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Tesco can. I, 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 yeah, I like. I don't have another one. It's actually <laughs> like I was like, oh, being a in air quotes normal person seems quite hard so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think I am. As I said, like I haven't actually stopped for um, over ten years for more than maybe three or four days because yeah. I've been hustling a lot but to build what I've been building so like there's been purpose to what I've been doing and then I had a few things go wrong financially last year with my show which I still decided to keep going that I'm almost on the out of so I'm actually kind of using this time to try and not put too much pressure on myself um to find a new job to do in three weeks because actually I haven't had three weeks of not putting a lot of pressure on myself for over a decade so I'm going to try and not stress too much about the money and just wait to see what the government does or doesn't give us and then cross that bridge then yeah. because yeah I, I, I feel very privileged to be in a position that I am and have a roof over my head and I also like you like I also have bills to pay and and you know things that I need to cover but I'm also weirdly calm about the fact that there will be a solution. Yeah, and I, same. And I'm not necessarily the forever optimist. I am very much a realist. But I do feel like with this that, like, something good will come out of this. Well, I feel like we're already becoming more empathetic and oh, there's and lots of things exactly coming out right. of us. <laughs> there's yeah. lots of good things coming out in that way. I keep going, you know, there's there's a means to an end and I think eventually they'll figure out what to do with all us self-employed people. Yeah, but, you know, everything, every day the government are releasing like new information and new things. And yeah, there's a new was, one today. There's actually a new one today. So I think that if any self-employed people are out there, keep signing petitions, but also just hang tight for another week or a couple of days. And, and, be, and be smart with your money. Don't yeah. go online shopping now. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> Cause that's just because you got paid from a gig places. last week. Yeah, yeah, that's what they want. They're all in dire need of, of the money as well. So, um, yeah, I think just be kind to one another. Is it, it, but not just when we're in the apocalypse all the all the time. <laughs> like this shouldn't. We shouldn't just be supporting each other because everyone's stuck in front of their computer or in front of their phone. This mm. needs to be this needs to continue forever i i we drove to the bank earlier and i saw a lot of people running and i said to my partner i don't think i've seen this many people exercising 
yeah like, in a long time I was like this is great like people and could end up being a healthier person and outdoors from this like yeah there could Even be good to come from it that, you know the the pollution levels in different countries is starting to shift I'm like maybe it was the earth just sending us all to the naughty corner for a while yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty yeah it's a great way of putting it going yeah. I've had enough yeah you need to think about what you've done you stay there for a few yeah. weeks and let me like get myself together yeah let me sort this shit out yeah <laughs> yeah I bet it's doing great things to the earth mm. I I think um the what's the little girl's name Grana. Yeah, I think she's got us all. I think she's punked us all. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's like, none of you are listening. That could be a nice little plot twist. (laughs) Yeah, none of you are listening. I'll get you. She's patient zero. (laughs) Yeah, she's going in. Um, No, it's interesting. But like you said earlier, you said you haven't had like time to yourself or time off in 10 years. I guess this is great because now, I guess if you've been putting out constantly for 10 years, it'll give you some time to put back in. Do you know yeah. what I mean? To, to give give time to yourself. And also I am the world's biggest masochist when it comes to, you know, I will put everyone else before me and I, I give out a lot. And even just the nature of my actual physical dancing, you know, I I am very much vulnerable and, and just constantly putting energy out. And I think part of the reason I never take a break is, is there's this element of guilt that, I have on myself not because of anyone else that if I stop that uh, yeah like and that's something that I think most a lot of performers struggle with as well especially ballet ballet dancers you know learning that stopping and resting is actually just as important as training all the time um Mm. but it's kind of a process that I've been trying to work through myself for, for quite a long time now um so this has been this really forceful like cool so you can still you know do a ballet bar you can still be productive but you need to also just chill the fuck out <laughs> yeah well <laughs> being a uh, I always think being a dancer is like essentially you're an athlete but especially being a ballet dancer like I always think ballet dancers and most for me they're the most athletic dancers they're so mm. strong them along with break dancers but in different ways yeah. um what are the kind of what kind of things do you do to take care of yourself to like you know keep yourself injury free I guess because I mean ballet is very dangerous if you yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean I mean, it's not to I, you um, probably because you know it so well but <laughs> I'm, I honestly and I think I said it before you know I I'm just a firm believer that consistency is key and I think I've had a couple of injuries in my hip um, and just a freak accident by getting dropped in a show. I broke my rib. But apart from that, I have had a touch wood. Very, very lucky run on the injury front. Um, but it's consistency. I, I do ballet class six, sometimes seven days a week. Um, you know, if I'm feeling tired, I, I force myself to just do half or like so that my body is constantly it just I, I know where everything is so to speak if that makes sense yeah, you know you're staying connected yeah definitely staying connected and and then that gives me the freedom to be able to go completely nuts when I'm creating and do crazy things with my body because I trust it and I know it so well you know I don't do ballet class every day because I'm planning to audition for Swan Lake anytime soon I do it every day so that I have the technical foundation and the freedom to not have to think about it at all mm-hmm. when I'm being creative or being artistic you know so that and cupping I swear by Chinese cupping and I know it's really controversial and some people say it does nothing and other people swear by it but for me it's more of um it like resets my nervous system Mm -hmm. so sometimes I look like I've been attacked by an octopus for a few days um but yeah I'd say that and and just training consistently smart like smartly but but consistently Mm -hmm. Um, do you do any other forms of exercise like Pilates, yoga? Um, I do yoga sometimes, um, but actually, no, not really. I'm not a fan of Pilates. It probably would be really good for me, but I've just never really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have a day that I don't dance, I generally go to the gym and I'll do kind of a bit of an all-round old-school workout, like run on the yeah. treadmill for a bit, do some free mm-hmm. weights. Like I, a bit like you, I like to just put in my music and tune out and just like kind of go through the motions a bit. Um, yeah sick what about diet and nutrition because I feel like in well in normal dance colleges that I've been to and that I went to uh don't really get much 
good quality information on like food and nutrition and stuff um they just told how you're meant to look and you kind of have to figure it out to get there and from being a non-ballet dancer my perspective and i imagine lots of other people's on being a ballet dancer is that they survive on nothing and they barely mm. eat to stay so small because they've got to stay light is that true <laughs> like <laughs> i think it's very dependent on the person mm. um i i had um serious issues with with food and stuff when i was younger and now i say i would say i manage it but it's mm. still very very much part of my everyday um and for me, it's if I'm really stressed, it's the one thing I can control. So, you know, that type of thing. But I think, you know, I'm I'm no longer 18 years old and I, I know what works for my body and whatnot. That being said, I have some friends who are kind of a bit similar to me in the sense that they don't have a very healthy relationship with food, but mm -hmm. they manage it to the point where they keep themselves strong and healthy and, you know, maybe not mentally, but physically they're okay. But then I have other friends who are the biggest foodies and they literally live eat breathe food and that's been like that since I've known them and they look exactly the same as we do so you know yeah, think, <laughs> yeah so do I in a way you know my um I mean I obviously haven't lived with my parents since I was very young but my mum has always it's always been the one thing that she's I guess felt a bit of guilt about because obviously if I had been home more then she would have had more of a uh input and mm -hmm. and maybe like managing some of those things because for me personally it was quite extreme what was expected of me from coaches and teachers and yeah. especially back then I think it was much worse and and it wasn't as publicized maybe or it wasn't as spoken about um mm -hmm. because the internet wasn't a thing because I'm yeah. old um but you know like it, it wasn't it wasn't as accessible to people and I actually maybe three years ago, I got contacted by the BBC um, to basically go on the news and have a discussion about this because they had called all of the big ballet institutions to have this discussion. And all of the schools said, we have a nutritionist, it's no longer a thing. And I got really angry and was like, I will, I will speak up because actually, mm. yes, they have shifted the way, the language that they use, I think. Um, mm and saying, for example, instead of saying, this is how you need to look, they'll say things like, um, these are the foods that you need to eat to have the right fuel, but actually it's the same information just worded differently. Um, mm -hmm. So it's very much still, I think, prominent. And as I said, for me personally, it's something that, you know, I still manage daily and, you know, it's a constant mental battle to... Uh, make it not um very prominent in 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 my life but also as mm -hmm. i said it, it's it's very much a stress and control trigger for me if i'm going through a difficult period for whatever reason um that's always the first thing that goes and you know i am very lucky to have three very 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 close humans around me um actually they're not really around me one's in new york one's here and one's in yeah. australia <laughs> but they're the first ones who are my point of call and almost kind of my sounding boards and they can yeah. always they can always kind of like shift my thinking very quickly and make me a bit more aware of it. Um, but I do know that there's still quite a few dancers who are my age and some of them older who it, it's never been addressed. And yeah, yeah it, make, it makes me sad for us in a way because it shouldn't be like that. But I think it is. it's becoming more uh, it's become more of a thing now due to social media with, uh, again, in air quotations, normal people mm -hmm. that, you know, they have eating problems because they'll see what they what they think that they're meant to look like from yeah. social media and stuff. But I think it's always been a stigma within dance and especially ballet. Um, of that that you're meant to look this specific way but i also think it's because we do look at ourselves in a mirror more than anyone else looks at themselves in a mirror like 100%. it, is, it's it like, is the most torturous thing ever it's <laughs> the fishbowl effect you know like if you spend eight hours a day staring at yourself in a mirror you're gonna see things that aren't even there yeah it's like it, it just it's going to happen especially when you're already going to be incredibly self-critical because we have to be in order to be good at what we do mm -hmm. you know we're getting picked to pieces by teachers not in a negative way but you know to fix technique and all those things mm -hmm. you know it's only natural that you start to overanalyze everything and i think if you already have a naturally um you're sorry you're already naturally inclined to 
have those kind of tendencies or you may be a little bit more of a perfectionist or control freak than you realize that's going to be the first thing that that goes you know so yeah I, but I do agree with you I, I mean the normal air quote normal people the muggles as I like to speak yeah. to them speak of them they um they are using people like the Kardashians and whatnot as you know the, the benchmark yeah. yeah the benchmark and it's like it's 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 foolish and it's not realistic and yeah it's a it's opening a can of worms that one isn't it because yeah, it is. everyone has an opinion I can only speak from my personal experience and the people around me but I do get very frustrated that the same things that were happening to me or around me when I was 12 are still happening in certain places today given how much knowledge and everything that is out there I just I feel like that should have changed by now but when you say the things that were happening to you how do you mean it like did did like teachers at schools be like you you're not allowed to eat or like like in what way yeah yeah that's crazy we um you know and again this is kind of controversial and I won't say names or whatever but you know there was a period of time where myself and uh it was like two or three of us girls and and keep in mind like I've always been a little muscle bag but we were string beans and we danced eight hours a day and we were 12 or 13 years old but Mm -hmm. you know we had to cut out you know massive parts of our diet and then you know prior to a competition or an exam or that type of thing you know we just weren't allowed to eat at all we had to just have watermelon juice we weren't even allowed to eat the actual watermelon like really messed up things which actually you know have impacted you know, myself and these other women that I'm thinking of now for life, whether that be like metabolism wise, head wise, you know, there's Mm -hmm. so many, there's so many things that were incredibly damaging. That is, I mean, it it is what it is, you know, but I, I, I wish that there was a way for me to shift that, but I also, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one to navigate because I disagree with, a lot of the things and a lot of the teaching methods that I had and now when I teach I have like two girls I don't really teach kids but I have a girl that I've been mentoring since she was about 14 and mm-hmm. I just the way that I operate with her and the way that I encounter her the way that I give her information and everything is how I wish that I had been yeah for sure I always say to both of them actually you know I I want to be the person that I needed for you mm-hmm when I was your age and that's very much always like driven any any form of teaching that I do as well so. yeah when I was when I was in college um my girlfriend at the time and loads of the other girls that were in the class all ended up with like eating disorders because the woman who I guess the the head she would be like this is how you need to look she'd like call you fat or whatever mm-hmm. like and literally I saw all the nearest people to me because you know you become a family don't you when you're spending so yeah, much absolutely. time with each other at, at that yeah. age I just saw everyone slowly be getting miserable and all of a sudden they don't eat you know and my uh, I had a male ballet teacher um once a week and he was a fantastic dancer like incredible and to me he was like a proper man do you know what I mean he's mm. big tall handsome prince charming yeah. but we we hated each other because obviously I was too manly for him as well he used to call me Shrek because I was like oh, not fat, do you know what I mean? But like no, I, looked, but I was I was fluffy. He'd be like, Come on, Shrek and like my one teacher would be like, Come on, Rhino, I suggest you fucking run to college and stuff like that. And it ne- oh. I was very fortunate that it never affected me at all. Like I used to then eat a sausage roll in front of them on purpose because I found the pleasure in annoying them. But I remember seeing everyone around me like slowly disintegrating and breaking down. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, This is crazy. Like couldn't believe it so now even when I teach I try to give to avoid making people feel any way like that the way I saw other people feel like if they ask me about food I'd always be like look like you know you need to eat a well-balanced healthy nutrient dense diet nutrient dense is the key word there (laughs) do I mean but there's no specific way of eating no there's no specific way of eating and every like I said before you know I I am not a big eater actually all like issues aside like I've never been a foodie um I very much eat for fuel which is also why when I'm stressed I don't eat it's like not even conscious whereas you know some people that I know and love who are foodies literally wake up and they're like excited for breakfast and you know I think the problem is that you know teachers having those like flippant comments and and saying things they don't know 
what ears they're falling on and they don't know mm-hmm. you know you may have been fine then but you know in four years time if you go through a stressful or traumatic mm-hmm. period of time and you start to you know go inside a bit you know do those things come back and I think it's that lack of um lack of knowledge I think on the on the you know educators part and also mm-hmm. lack of knowledge on for the students at any age on you know yeah. what they need in order to be an athlete you know like, like what food do you need to be able to dance for eight hours without passing out that's what should mm-hmm. be the focus not the physical aspects because that's just as important you know they yeah. need to know how to like you said nutrient dense things especially when kids are growing as well like there's so mm. many ah oh, there's so many things <laughs> yeah. like, oh. it's funny isn't it actually now you said that uh it affects them further down the line and I say yeah it probably didn't affect me at that time but I was always told like you love dance the most but you're never going to make it as a dancer because you don't look the right way or like I don't have straight I got bow legs like do you know I mean my body is not made to be a dancer I just really love dancing do you know what I mean and I'd always be the one that when the music comes on I'd be the first one dancing but I most definitely wouldn't be the good one <laughs> do you know what I mean but I'd be the I'd always be the one the most enthusiastic with the most That's energy incredibly and I, honest and funny and I know it's but it's the truth but I was always told, you know, you love dancing the most, but you'll you don't look right. You know, you got to look a specific way. You've got you you know, I'm five foot eight white and ginger. It's not the pinnacle <laughs> of a commercial dancer, I guess. Um, and it's really interesting because now, over the past, I'd say five years, maybe longer, my whole career has been based around being the the guy with his top off. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? I've done like like calendars about promoting having a good physique or promoting body health and then I do like my job now is I'm in the dream boys is the equivalent of it's kind of magic mic but a bit naughtier like you know now I say it didn't affect me but maybe that's what's driven me down this path is because I was always told you don't look the right way to do this so I've gone kind of fuck you watch me go full yeah. circle and go the other I way do. <laughs> yeah, yeah I do, I do look yeah yeah, yeah, and actually now no one even wants to see me dance. They just want to see me shirtless. Do you know what I mean? So that's the funny <laughs> oh, part. So God. I guess it has affected me if I really just break in it a down. Different, yeah. Yeah, not in a negative way. It's definitely mo- – I used it as fuel. I was going to say, yeah, it was motivation. Subconscious motivation is sometimes a good thing. <laughs> what do you have set in the plans for your future? After all this madness has passed, What what is the <laughs> ideal journey for you? I actually so I've been working on a a, a feature film since November last year and so we that's been put on hold um we felt we were rehearsing in LA and then we've been filming in Paris all of all of December over Christmas uh and then I actually weirdly was in JFK on my way back from New York uh last week when Trump closed the borders which was a weird experience um (laughs) because I'm actually going to be going back to New York to do another project as well which is again both under wraps at the moment but um yeah really 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 big and really cool projects with amazing people so that plus um once I'm out of this last bit of debt from my show last year I I am going to start putting everything in the works again for my next next production which I think at this stage won't be till January or February of 2021 but Mm -hmm. um the beauty of the world being at a halt right now is that like that's no rush I didn't have any rush anyway and I'm I'm also still with still dealing with the residual like just businessy stuff that didn't happen last year um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think fundamentally I want to just keep collaborating with as many people as possible and I want to build I want to build my company to a point where it's kind of self-sustaining and it can be anywhere in the world um so that I can be more in New York more often um and hopefully with this project that I've I've just got that that will open the door to for yeah. that to happen easily um but yeah I can't actually really talk about anything that that's I'm so good it's so good that's, that's <laughs> that makes it even more exciting yeah but the one that yeah the movie that I've been working on is it's a bit nuts because as I said we've been working since November October no mm. October last year and it was kind of like a bit of time and then back and then a bit of time and then back and now everything's just on halt so I'm like oh uh, we're done yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I love what you're doing I love how your perspective on how you've kind of created your own avenue I think is fantastic 
you've made your own jobs you've created your own opportunities it's it's brilliant i think everyone should take a leaf out of your book when they're going through a time where nothing's happening and go what can i create yeah small i guess it can be anything i think if you're yeah just create for the sake of creating not necessarily Mm. for a paycheck and then most of the time the paychecks follow but your motivation as to why you're doing it needs to be really like true if Mm. that makes sense you know no dope um, any advice for an upcoming ballerina or non-ballerina <laughs> or, or ballerino? Ballerino. Yeah. Um, I think just don't be afraid of having a voice. I think especially for younger dancers, you know, when you do get to the point of pre-professional or, um, you know, auditioning or being in a rehearsal room on a professional level, um you're allowed to speak up. You're allowed to have a voice. There's a difference between being um, disrespectful and mm-hmm. having an opinion and having a voice that's collaborative. Um, and also just don't be afraid if you don't fit in that the world isn't ending. Yeah. If you're, you know, like if you don't fit in the boxes that have been get put in front of you, then, and you are truly driven by this art form and it's your purpose, don't give up on it until you find where you fit because you will find your bunch of misfits and weirdos at some point. Um, and it might be in the place you least expected, but don't give up because someone told you that you can't do it because it's bullshit. <laughs> you can. We did yeah, it. We yeah, did we did it. it. <laughs> find, find your weirdos and you'll be fine. <laughs> Indeed. Um, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's very lovely to me. meet you. It's my new favorite thing though. I get to speak to people that I wouldn't speak to. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, That's very this true. is great for me. This little lockdown. I'm like, I've done a podcast every day. I'm like, I'm having the time of my life. Well, podcast insiders. Me. My pleasure. Um, <laughs> everyone, you can find Alice on, uh, Rose, sorry, on Instagram <laughs> at Rose Alice oh, official. That That's correct. Yeah. And what's your company's one? And the company is at International Arts Collective. International Arts Collective. I'll put all that in the information below. Um, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes because that means the world to me because it means more people will find the podcast. Um, and thanks for listening. I hope you're all staying happy and healthy and productive. One love. Bye-bye. <laughs>